Welcome to In the Wake with Whitley. Here on this podcast, we cover mental health, life lessons, mindset growth, and tons of storytelling. Together, we'll laugh, we'll cry, and everything in between. I'm your host, Whitley Rogers. I'm a certified life coach and mental health advocate. I'm also a survivor of sexual and mental abuse. I'm here to open up those conversations that are normally uncomfortable or hush-hush in society. Keep listening for bits and pieces of my personal journey and insights along with other interviewees. All right, I am back this week with a dear friend of mine as my guest speaker, and I have been so excited for this episode. It's been a long time coming, but we're finally here, we're doing it, and I have Harpatap here with me today. So I met Harpatap in my senior year of high school. We both went to Nevada State High School where we were doing dual credit classes, taking college classes while getting our high school credits. And the first time I interacted with him, I think it was like an icebreaker get to know you class where we were kind of debating on different topics. And one of them was religion. And with teenagers, there's a lot of rebellious teenagers that want nothing to do with religion. And so there was a hard stance there. But Harpatap stood up and (laughs) opposed a lot of those people and like spoke so eloquently about his beliefs and was so respectful. And I really admired that. I was like, wow, he's cool. I want to be friends with him. So then I went and found him at lunch and the rest is history. (laughs) He is very sassy and very sarcastic and always keeps me laughing and on my toes. He is constantly giggling. It is so funny. And I'm excited for you guys to get to know him a little bit and hear his message. So I will let you introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us who you are and what is your story? Well, thank you very much, Whitley, for inviting me to this podcast. It is a pleasure for me to share my story with you today. So if you want to make that long story short about me, I was born and raised in France. I had the opportunity to spend my junior and senior year of high school in Las Vegas. And actually, I remember that teach that I gave at Nevada State High School about how people needed religion. Like you said, teenagers, they are really in extremes of the answers you can give to this question. You were actually one of the people who congratulated me for that speech. I remember that. And then, yeah, obviously we had that lunch. That's when we actually met. And then after high school graduation, I had to move back to France. And actually, I'm glad we still are friends, even though we are so much far apart and we keep writing to each other maybe a little archaic but (laughs) it has its own charm today i am thrilled to be here as a human who believes in spirituality and environmentalism and share my story about it also before we begin begin this discussion i want to the audience to keep in mind that I will be presenting my vision of spiritualism, religion, and meditation. You might have your own vision regarding these topics, but I hope to bring new points of view regarding it. I will also be trying to support whatever claims I make with some external sources that I will make available for the listener via a link. 
And I would be pleased to be corrected in case I make a misleading statement regarding any topic because I, like everyone, am here to learn. Today I will be sharing what I have learned so far, but I will be open to learning something more from people as well. Awesome. You're so humble. (laughs) Thank you for that introduction. And we've been having a lot of conversations recently about spirituality. We have been pen pals ever since he moved back to France. And mail is a lot slower than our technology. And so we were finally like, we need to video call a couple times to actually catch up. But I've kind of shared parts of my own journey where I've stepped away from my Christian religion that I was raised in, but I still consider myself a spiritual person aside from that religion. And so we've been having a lot of interesting conversations about what we believe and what spirituality means to us. And so I was like, we need to record these conversations. We need to talk on the podcast. So that's why we're here today. So let's start out with... The myths or misunderstandings that you feel people have around spirituality, religion, maybe a higher power, or more specific, your Sikh faith, you know, those are all very different things. But Mm -hmm. what are those, those myths or misunderstandings that you feel people have that stop them from understanding or having an open mind about these topics? So first of all, I will begin by saying that the biggest myth is that, you know, it's all about your actions. It's um, either uh, you are a perfect person, you only do good deeds, you have never sinned, you go to heaven, or otherwise you go to hell and you're like a bad person. And so that is one of the biggest myths that I think that people have. So I will detail each of them right after that. So the second one is it's either live a real life so you know for example secularism so you're born you go to school you have a career then you get married and you have a family and all that so it's either that or you live by religious standards if you want to be a religious person you necessarily have to give up on all this real life thing and just go live totally different life and just follow all the religious standards and rituals that there are. Mm-hmm. And the last one, which is, I think, the most common is that when we speak of God, there is somebody like Morgan Freeman popping up in your mind. <laughs> it's like somebody else. I like to call him Mr. God, you know, just like some <laughs> other human being. We give him human characteristics, who is like watching us and always judging us. And that's who will like tell if we go to hell or heaven mm-hmm. so all of these i think come from a misunderstanding of any spiritual or religious tradition that there is because for example the sinner if it's all about your actions we have a free will we can choose between right and wrong and we and we are responsible in some way of our own deeds and we are responsible of when we get into hell or heaven Mm-hmm. So it comes from the fact that a lot of people just believe that the real life, the real world, this universe is what is real and that matters most. So I, like you said, believe in the Sikh faith and the Sikh faith, I used to believe that 
it was just another religion, Christianism, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, or Judaism. There are many other religions, and that Sikhism is just another religion. So for me, what were my actions that I had to do to become a good Sikh or a good person and go to live in Morgan Freeman's palace? You know, what <laughs> did I have to do? So for us in the Sikh faith, I used to think because our family used to go to the Sikh temple every Sunday, I was told that I had to keep my hair, otherwise I was a bad person, basically. Otherwise, I couldn't be that spiritual person. I, I didn't have that golden ticket to heaven, you know. What happens here is that the people who are telling me who I am, who are telling me what how to be a Sikh, they're also humans. The thing with humans is that they're made to make mistakes. For example, if we are going to take you know, the Sikh Holy Scripture as an example, which is actually not a Holy Scripture, it's, we consider it as our 11th the rule. Mm-hmm. So if we read it, I read it, I don't understand it because it is written in an ancient language. Mm-hmm. which is similar to Punjabi, which is my mother's language. It has, you know, older terms and it has a different type of grammar. So in some way, I have to depend on someone else's interpretation yeah. to understand what was Sikhism. And I think it happens in every religion. In uh, Christianism, also, people, they go to the church, they listen to the priest, but they don't necessarily read the Bible. Right. So people who are in Hinduism, for example, people who they go to the temple, they have their brahmins, you know, which is the Hindu priest, and they listen to him. So like I said, humans make mistakes. You cannot just depend on them to have a religious belief. So I have a few thoughts about this action piece that like spirituality is all about the actions and I think that's where religion you know there are certain things in every religious faith that you have to do x y and z to be spiritual or to connect with God or to be worthy or to get into your heaven or whatever that looks like whatever your beliefs are and I had a problem with that because it felt like those action steps that you were required to do were for external appearances to keep Mm -hmm. up the look that you were a good person, you were a spiritual person, you know, you're doing all of the right things. But I felt like myself and people around me were just going through the motions rather than actually having a strong connection with their higher power. And Obviously, that's a generalized statement. That's not everyone's experience, but it felt very superficial. Yeah, so exactly. You know, in many religious and spiritual traditions, I I just don't want to point towards one religion. Like, it's just in general, because it's human. We are humans. We do that. For a lot of time, only an elite of educated men were allowed Mm -hmm. to read and interpret holy scriptures. Because, first of all, many people couldn't read. Reading is like a common skill for the last last 50 years or maybe like 100 years. Before the 20th century, we not many people were into reading and, and writing and all that, you know. So that was a bummer for religions because life used to be only about work and family. And as I say, so the people now who, who are allowed to read they have their own interpretation and 
sometimes they tend to make their their own statements so they will read it whatever they interpret it they will make it that's true and that's what we had in india in the spiritual traditions and everywhere that's what we had even in sikhism like i said i was taught that being the sikh was just like you know keeping a beard and keeping your hair and you know like having a turban but recently i have realized that it is more than that so what i would suggest to everyone is to search for answers to the questions they might have in holy scriptures directly yeah. instead of going through what i call middlemen i mean if we see from an objective point of view even this conversation that we are having well it is just my interpretation of things that's how i see things and i just invite everyone to dig a little more when you're interested by that just go further and you will have the understanding that you need i like yeah. said middleman because that's exactly what i was thinking with these leaders in religion at least in my own christian upbringing it felt like it was a middleman between me and god that this human man that is mm-hmm. imperfect and has his own ego and mistakes was mm-hmm. determining whether i was a worthy human being and determining whether i was good enough and you know like doing all of the right things when like me myself could feel very connected with my higher power but mm-hmm. then i have this conflicting voice external voice from a man saying but you're not doing all of the right things so that can't be true and that was kind of like a really hard conflicting thing when i'm having my own personal revelation and understanding and what feels true and what feels good to me but then having you know external voices that are saying otherwise and you know it is hard when you have those action steps in religion that you have to do x y and z in order to be connected yeah, or anything because it's like well what if those things don't foster that spiritual connection for me what if i don't get that same feeling by doing those things but doing other things like it wasn't really taught like yoga and meditation in my christian religion you know you're supposed to go to the temple you're supposed to read the scriptures you're supposed to pray and i didn't really feel the spirit or the connection <sighs> by doing those things but if i was out in nature and meditating i did it was really hard for me to kind of come to terms with that that like i can foster my own connection i don't necessarily need that middleman and it's a very personal thing i just thought about it right now i think it's also about parenting first of all there's no manual on how to live your life there is no manual on how to raise your kids etc etc So with that we have a lot of conflict and some parents they don't know how to deal with their kids wanting to be religious etc. My parents they told me okay so you have to keep your hair because you're born a Sikh and that's how you're going to be raised. You just have to do it. That's just our thing. This religion they do that. Our thing is that we're in this religion and we keep our hair. To me it never actually made sense. I was like so okay so that means that every other person that you know every non-seek person that cuts his hair they're just sinners right like that's what they tell me but i didn't want to believe it because i think since i was a kid i had that you know 
human connection that when I uh, interact with any human being and they're kind to me, etc., I just saw something more in them. So you can't just tell me that keeping your hair, which is a material thing, you're absolutely right. It just makes a change. That's one of the misunderstandings that people have is that we all have checkboxes. You have to choose a religion, which is actually just you know, appointed by your parents, and you have to meet the requirements to fit in. So you have a checkbox for everything. Ironically, it's just the way society actually works. You know, like when I talk about secularism, in society, you have the same thing. You have checkboxes. So you have to fit the standards. You have to fit the mold to be successful, to be a good material life, be rich, etc. Like have kids and stuff, getting married and stuff. Like all of this is related. In the sixth spiritual tradition, what they teach you is so first of all, the teachings of the Guru Nanak is that when you choose a religion or religion in itself, the chapters start focusing on that. Because these middlemen, they have taught you to fit these checkboxes, but actually you're missing out on, on a lot. Yeah. And Guru Nanak, he did not intend to create another religion just to start another religious tradition, like, you know, like as an institution, that so you can be a Christian, a Jew, a Buddhist, a Hindu, or you can also be a Sikh. That's not what they did. No, what they actually did is just bring what was already there they brought it to light you know they just made it clear that that's how things are actually are until now we have learned that in society there are just like two ways of living a life so you can either you know let society define you either meet the checkboxes of society do good stuff in the material world live in a city have kids lead a successful career they teach you how to do these things you know the other one is to let religion and any religion define who you are and how you should live your life right and meet their checkboxes the end game in both is that if you the requirements to fit in society you will get material success and on the other hand if you meet religious requirements you will get immaterial gifts immaterial success like going to heaven, etc. Like this is not material because it's beyond life. You know, it's if you take that this way, basically life is a game, and those two ways try to play it. So either become a successful, world-renowned businessman, politician, celebrity, or whatever, or you can live like a hermit uh, in the mountains, you know, <laughs> away from any form of civilization, and meditate, etc. Yeah. Et in the Sikh faith. The guru teaches us that we have been playing the game of life wrong since the beginning. In both of these ways of playing the game, we have this character and we call it I. Our first thought is that we, I exist. I am a person and I need to get a golden ticket to heaven by practicing good deeds or I need to become the leader of this country or else it's doomed. You know, we have that ego yeah. in us that is teaching us what to do. So Guru Nanak clarified with the first mantra that he gave to people that he recited, which is called the Mool Mantra. He said, there is only one God who creates, sustains, and destroys. There is no other at all. So I think 
that's the first thing that people have to learn about the Sikh faith is that any spiritual tradition actually does not incite you to play the game of life as I, as I said right now. So according to Guru Nanak Dev Ji, this universe is a play in which all the characters are played by the one and only actor. So I think that's what we have to focus on because yeah. needing those checkboxes are only satisfying your ego. You know? yeah. mm-hmm. They are only giving satisfaction. So like, for instance, if I have good grades, my teachers will be happy, they will compliment me, they will be nice to me, and I will be satisfied. If I become a hermit, I will have a guru. You know, I go to live in the mountains, I will have a guru, and I will do stuff according to them. And they will be happy, they will compliment me, and my ego will be satisfied. Yeah. I'll be like, okay, so I do this, I live my life as a spiritual person, and I'm above of everyone, because I have succeeded in this. Guru Nanak just destroys every form of ego by saying, there is only one God, there is no other at all. Mm-hmm. So this raises the question, yeah, but... You haven't told me why Sikh people keep their hair. So what is all that about? So the reason that hair is important in Sikhism is simple. When you cut your hair, you don't do it for yourself. You do it for other people. Because if we were practical, the only time you see yourself is actually in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you don't see yourself. You don't see your face. So it's other people who will see you. Society has that standard that a clean shaven man with short hair is considered to be clean mm-hmm. and nice looking. So they will compliment you, oh, nice haircut, you know, just like your physical attributes. In Sikhism, the guru told us that since you are not, you're not a person, you do not exist, why does it matter to you to have compliments from other people, you know? So why do you cut your hair if you believe that only God exists? And so if only God exists, then God has decided what to do with your body and just let God run his play. Yeah. This does not matter anymore. So the compliments from other people that you will be getting, they do not matter anymore. I have a few comments. So I think you're spot on with this ego stuff and the checkboxes. It really resonates with me. I think that as humans, we naturally want to be good. And I think religion sees that in our human nature and then creates these checkboxes and these rules. And they try to put spirituality and your connection with your higher power into a box and define it and label it. And, you know, these are big concepts and it's hard for us to grasp it at times. But religion tries to like make it into these neat little definitions and boxes. And so I think that in a way, just acting on people's nature to want to be good. And so they're told you have to do this and this and this to be good. And then it's that virtue signaling of our ego that like, well, I'm doing all of these things. So I'm a good person and I'm succeeding in life 
but you're not doing these things. So you must not be a good person. And it's like that all or nothing thinking and pitting each other, the us versus them, the ego gets in the way. And the virtue signaling, because these are these external checkboxes to keep up appearances that you are doing good, you are doing better than the person next to you. I think it's an easy trap or cycle to fall into. So I think that's really interesting that your belief system is really about letting go of that ego or quieting it, because I think that's a huge, huge issue with humans in general. Exactly. You have presumed it very strongly and (laughs) very concisely. Like It's all about your ego. It's all about in there. Your belief system is also very interesting that you believe like there's only one God. I see that also in religion, that all of these religions, you know, they have their different definitions and labels. They may call their God different things, or some people say that they pray, others say they meditate. I don't know. We all have these different labels for things, but my belief is that it's all the same concept. It's all the same feeling And it's that same connection with your higher power, but we just call it different things. But in the Mm -hmm. end, it's all the same. Whether you call it God or the universe or spirit, I do think that it is that same connection and it is that same feeling. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. Like we have this division among humans. You know, it's, for instance, when you play basketball, well, you watch the uh, basket tournament and you say i like the lakers and mm-hmm. i love them and they're the best team so that makes me a good person you know it's like every other people like if you don't like the lakers then you're just horrible you're and, wrong yeah you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> so i think we have the same in the religions you know we have made it check boxes into squares we have like like you said religion is like a label you just or identify yourself with and use it the way I believe things. That's the best way. There is no other right way to believe in things. And I think that is the greatest obstacle for anyone who wants to actually find the light. This is what is stopping you from being enlightened in some way. That is what the Guru teaches. Like you said, there is only one, but we have many ways to call him, many ways to name him. But that power, that oneness that is running the universe, you cannot just, just name it. Because, like, for instance, like, my name is Harpatap. You call me Harpatap. Harpatap to you is just a word. It's all information that you have about me, like our friendship, you know, like our memory of Nevada State High School. All of that, that's what makes Harpatap meaningful to you. Yeah. It's the same in religion. I can take any name. You know, I can take God. God in itself is just a three-letter word. But this is one way out of many to describe God, you know, to call God. You know, if you say, oh, I believe in God, but you believe in something else, you call it something else, so you don't believe in the same thing, that is just, you know, again, ego and self-narcissism. The way I do things is the best. The way you do things is not... So that's what makes you wrong. And Sikhism is all about that is fight your ego. I have my own 
projections or interpretations about God. So generally, from my understanding, from what I have learned about different religions, a lot of people put God into a box of a man. Everyone says like he. And so that's hard for me because, all right, so at least in my religion, they would say that God made man after his own image. But I feel like man made God after his own image and that we're projecting what we know about humans onto a higher power and that this is a humanly figure. He is a man. So I don't think I necessarily believe that my higher power is a man or a woman, that it's it's not a human being. So I feel like maybe this is just the feminist in me. I don't attribute those pronouns to my higher power and we can totally disagree, but that's just my own projection and standpoint as far as right now. What do you think about that? Well, well, first of all, you know, when you said about God made man according to his own image, I think this comes from the Bible, right? Yeah. So... I think that there are many ways of interpreting this, but more importantly than anything else is that if I am not wrong, the Bible's first language it was written in was Hebrew. Am I right? Yes. So let's just do a little bit of history. It was Hebrew and then came the Romans. So here we have an issue that Romans, they have their own religion and they're not really happy about this idea of one God. Right. Well, we all know the story of how the prophet Jesus, he was killed in his human form, was just ended by Romans because they were not happy about his beliefs. It's just that now the Bible then was translated in Latin, which for a long time was the only language it was written in. It was just just around the enlightenment, you know, in philosophy, philosophers and, you know, Martin Luther, who decided to translate it to whatever language he spoke. I think he was German. I'm not sure. But <laughs> I'm not really good at history, but I know that he wanted to translate the Bible from Latin to, let's just say, English. And that's how Protestants were born, mm-hmm. because the Catholic Church was against translating and I think that was just because they have their own interpretation and their interpretation of that part that says God made man to his image is that God has one head, two feet, two hands, ten fingers. Yeah. And he just made man the same way. So I think that's how they, maybe there was an error of translation there or maybe there's an error of interpretation because the way I see that line is that God is this universal spirit, power, energy that runs within every one of us. According to the Sikh faith also, the human life is very special. Yes. Because we are the only animals, you know, apart from building cities and stuff, like we are the only animals who question our own existence. Who am I? What is the purpose of life? Etc. Etc. This is purely human. Other animals, they just don't care. They know they have to they have to hunt for food or they have to find food. They eat. They just, you know, procreate to 
keep their species alive. But humans are different. Humans, we have were given the gift of thinking, analyzing the way we live, all of this spirituality, etc. We were aware of that. I think that's how it relates. Like when a soul becomes comes into human life, it starts thinking like not like God, but starts having a different approach to what is life, to the way they live. Yeah. And how they question their existence. But again, this is just like how I interpret things. I obviously have not read the Bible ever. <laughs> I might be making mistakes here, but I wouldn't want to offend anybody. If you have any doubt, just dig, go look into how people interpret their things or their opinions. Well, I- thank you for clarifying that. So now let's actually talk about what your spiritual beliefs or the principles within your Sikh faith actually look like. So maybe for starters, let's talk about what you believe about God. For this question, I have you know chosen to describe God as it is described by the Sikh prophet, which is Guru Nanak Dev Ji. We will be talking about him a lot uh, in this discussion. So Guru Nanak Dev Ji, when they had at a point of in, in their life, they they disappeared from the place they lived at and people didn't find them for at least three days. So the story is that after that, you know, they came back enlightened in some way. And they the first statement actually they made that there is no Hindu or there is no Muslim. We are all humans. They began with the statement that there is a oneness. And so they uh, introduced a mantra which is called the Mool Mantra, which means the root mantra, and it describes the root of the universe. And this also is the Sikh way of conceptualizing God. So it goes like this. There is one universal creator, God. Everything is him. So his name is truth. So in Punjabi, like in many languages, we had gendered pronouns. Mm-hmm. But just keep in mind that in the Sikh faith, God is just, does not have a gender. It's just because we have to address him. We have to use pronouns. We have to, you know, use adjectives and verbs. They put it in masculine, but it doesn't mean that they meant that God is masculine because God is beyond gender. That so, makes sense. So the name is truth. What they mean by that is that Everything, all the materialism that we believe in, that we, you know, we say, for instance, I have my laptop in front of me. I say, this is my laptop. This is the laptop. It's here. It exists. But actually, Guru Nanak Ji is here. I think that everything is false except the name of the Lord. So we have discussed how the name of God, it can be any name. You know, a name itself doesn't, doesn't completely describe God. Mm-hmm. However, that name is what is truth. What is truth? So this higher power, this God we are discussing about is what has created everything. So everything you can see, you can feel, you can touch, everything was created by him. This higher spirit, higher power does not have any fear. It does not have any hate. So there's no hate towards anybody. This spirit is also beyond the cycle of birth and death. He is self-existent. And finally, they say that 
all the description that we have made here, we come to understand that by the Guru's grace. This is a gift that the Guru has made us to let us know what is that higher power that we are all trying to reach, trying to pray for, trying to learn about. This is how we describe God. So I hope I made it clear. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the best way I've ever heard God explained mm-hmm. or described. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I would like to add just one add that I have learned very recently about Sikhism, actually. So we have, you know, the history of God in Sikhism for hundreds of years. I mean, me, when I grew, grew up, I thought Sikhism is just another monotheistic religion, you mm-hmm. know, like any Abrahamic religion that we have. We believe in one God that is separate, you know, that is somewhere else. Like I said, you know, the other man with a white beard, you know, judging us 24 hours a day. Yet I have learned that Sikhism is actually something different. You know, it is a panentheistic religion. And this new word that I have learned from a presentation about Sikhism, uh, panentheism means that we do not believe that God has a limited envelope. Since God is beyond time, beyond cycle of birth and death, he does not have a shape. He does not have a form. It is actually everything that is uh, in this universe. You know, this universe is a part of him. So that's what makes him omnipresent, timeless, and infinite. We cannot describe God as he would have a shape or a form. It's like this intangible, you know, infinite energy that holds the universe together. It is everywhere within everyone. Um, I love that. You know, if you wanted to, like, an image of how God and this universe is related, got this example, which is a nice example. It's just, it's just like a dancer. A person who dances, you have to be there to watch dance. You know, their dance, you cannot be separated from them. Because if you take an artist like a painter, the painter does not need to be there for you to admire the painting. You know, we have paintings hundreds of years old and they're still here. We can admire them in, you know, real. However, for dancing, you need the dancer to be there to admire his art, you know, his performance. Right. So the universe is kind of the same thing. It's a manifestation of God, like a dance is the manifestation of the dancer, and you cannot uh, separate them. The universe is dependent on God. God is not, however, dependent on the universe, you know, but the universe itself, it is a part of God and it is there because God is there. That's how I have perceived it in Sikhism. That's a really good visual. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) We've kind of covered what you believe about God. What are some of your other spiritual beliefs or the principles within the Sikh faith? Like, I know we talked about those check boxes. Like, are there things that you are expected to do or you're required to do that you believe in? I know we talked a little bit about the hair and. I think you maybe mentioned like a temple. Let's talk about that. In Sikhism, the way the Guru has taught us is that our goal is to reach this higher power, this higher state. 
from our spirit because like i said whatever it is you know that is material this universe it's all false it's all dependent on time mm -hmm. it is not permanent so since it's not permanent and the only thing that is permanent is god and his name that will be permanently true throughout the ages we have to align ourselves with this permanent power of the state However, like I said, we have something called ego that is preventing us from doing that, from reaching God, understanding God. And actually, the guru have introduced uh, what we call the five vices. Mm -hmm. so it goes like this. Lust, which is, you know, usually people translate it, this as sexual desire, but it can also mean any type of you know desire in general like even when eating a muffin if you just eat for another purpose than nourishing yourself you eat it because it's nice and you like it you're doing that for pleasure these things they they break you from uh, reaching to god there are obstacles you know in your life we also have the second one that is anger so this one is also a very big obstacle for uh, I think every one of us. Like everyone has this. So anger, you know, people cannot manage how they react for their emotion, how they react to certain events. And their anger makes them do things that they actually wouldn't do if they were, you know, uh, calm or if they were in a, a different situation. But yeah. it just goes out of control. You just don't have control anymore over yourself. The next one is greed. So the third one is greed. So, you know, for materialistic wealth, success, we tend to do things that are not necessarily morally good. The fourth one is emotional attachment. This one is about people. What this one is about, it's telling is that when we are attached, it can be to anybody. It can be your partner, parents, your siblings, your children. Those are people we love and we might do certain things that we otherwise wouldn't because we love them, you know, because mm -hmm. we are attached to them. So the greatest example like I can give is, like, you know, that trolley dilemma, you know, in yes. the text they have. If there was a trolley who would run over 10 people or you can choose it to change the way and it would try to murder someone you love what mm -hmm. would you do so there is that emotional attachment within you that will make you choose those 10 people because you know they are strangers to you you don't really love them the same way you care about that person you actually love that will prevent you from having a rational decision and the last one but not the least is ego ego pride this is actually, you know, if you wanted to sum up what the Guru is teaching us, this is actually the greatest sin that you can ever have. It's just believing that you exist as a person, that you have this free will, that you and that you have control over things. Yeah. This pride that tells you that oh no, these things is not happening the way you want them to, and, and that makes you unhappy. You know, when your ego gets hurt. You are unhappy and you are subject to do things you wouldn't want to do in other times. All the five of them, they are preventing people from getting enlightened, walking on the path of truth in some way. The question here is how does one free themselves from those? Actually, 
Sikh gurus, they have described our mind as something that constantly is thinking about something. Mm-hmm. This mind of your is always influenced by these five vices. All of these thinking about, you know, for instance, your career, your family, your pleasures, your wealth, etc. It'll always be into this. The goal here is to control this mind, you know, control your mind and get a control over all these vices. So you are in a constant, you know, you're not biased by any of these vices. So you are in a constant state of calmness and uh, peaceful. You're in a state of peace. We have to keep the mind on track. And how do we have to do that? I wouldn't say pretty simple, but it has, there is only one way to do that. Actually, it is by meditating on the name of God. So that name that we said was the true name. When I say this, meditation in itself, it's not something that you have necessarily to do in a specific place. God is everywhere within you, especially and anywhere. You don't have to go to in a church, in a mosque, mm-hmm. or even in a Sikh temple. This is not mandatory. The yeah. Sikh temple is there for a reunion between people who, you know, follow the teachings of the guru. So they can, you know, spend time together. Because, you know, like they say, when you're alone, you go faster. But when you are in a group, you go further. And that is what the point of temple or any, you know, the church, etc. These places of congregation, they are meant to be a support for people who want to, you know, learn how to walk on this path, how to control their mind. So that's how we use it. But it is not mandatory to be, to go just in a temple to do that. So what happens if we are not focused on them, if we don't meditate? I have personally experienced this Mm -hmm. when we do not meditate we are when we are not focused on the name we feel anxious we have the pressure of work studies whatever you have pressure for many reasons sometimes we feel depressed i think that the way how i feel it is that we feel something like an emptiness some sort of emptiness ourselves you know, like that we are not accomplished whatever we are doing, you know, even if you're very successful, if you have anything you would want to, you would desire, you would not have that peace of mind. You would maybe happy, but that will be just, you know, short lived. It wouldn't be permanent. You wouldn't be peaceful. It wouldn't make bring you that peace that you're looking for. On the other hand, when you meditate on the name of God, you actually become confident. This is actually something I learned from uh, an organization called Nanak Nam. So they teach about the Sikh spiritual tradition. They have described God, you know, since they have made this universe, they, they give birth, they sustain us, and they destroy also. You know, that's part of it's, uh, part of the big play. This This is constantly happening. The universe is constantly unfolding. Nothing can stop this. However, 
this unfolding is in forever in bliss. You know, it is in deep peace. God has no hatred, no fear. It is in peace. There is nothing comparable to that. It is kind of like, you know, when you create something, when you, for example, if you draw or if you made a sculpture, if you're an engineer and you just build some new machine, at the end, when you finish your work, any type of work, you uh, you feel accomplished. You, there's a sense of confidence that comes in you. It is short-lived, but this is the state of God that is permanent because it's permanently creating. Wow. <laughs> right. So the checkboxes that we all have in every religion, even in Sikhism, like I said, people, they have, there's a question that is raised by everyone. How do you become Christian? How do you become a Jew? How do you become a Sikh? When a Sikh priest is asked that, he will tell you, you have to do this, 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 and this. Actually, there is no need of doing stuff because since everything is the universe and the universe is God, everything is done by God. But what we are seeing here is that when you're aligned you know, when you meditate and you get aligned on your own tracks towards state of peace, you are not tempted to follow the five vices that are trying to push you to commit crimes or something that is frowned upon. They do not push you to doing that. So you have a control of your mind. And once you have that, actually, naturally, because you will have a control over your ego, you will understand that there is no point of cutting your beard or trimming it or your hair, etc., because there is no point into pleasing others mm. and getting compliments back to be satisfied. There is no point in that. However, in the Sikh, not the spiritual tradition, but in the Sikh religious point of view, many people will think, will believe that this beard this hair this turban makes you sick which is not true the first thing that makes you sick is to follow the teachings of the guru and the first thing the gurus teach you is to give up on your ego mm. so uh, many people actually ironically they will keep their beards their uh, hair the turban or even you know women they will uh, keep their hair uncut they will not make up just because in some way they want to have the same compliments, but from the religious people. Right. In this situation, they will also be acting in their ego in some way. But what the gurus teach us is that you do not want to act in ego. You do not want to hold on to your pride that wants you to be to have this badass beard or <laughs> you know this nice turban, good-looking turban. They want you to understand that whatever is happening, whatever it is, even your own body, you know, because like I said, every material thing is not permanent. So for instance, if you have a car, it is not yours permanently, God forbid. But if it gets stolen, someone could steal it and it will be theirs in some way, you know. Mm -hmm. So this is not yours. Anything material is not yours. So next we have, you know, people like people we are attached to, our partner, people we have, you know, close relationship with, them too, they are not 
a property of yours. They are not some people that are going to be there for you forever. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. You know, we all are going to die eventually someday. Everyone has his own time, his own given lifespan. You cannot change that and you cannot have a control over yours or someone else's. So the relationship that we believe we are in, those two, they are not true because your partner could leave you, your children could also you know, move far away, etc. They are not here forever with you, right? Right. right. And so this joins also ego. You don't want to make yourself believe that this is what we hold on to. Then it comes down to your body. Do you really own your body? Because in some way, anybody could take it away from you in an instant, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could just vanish. And like like it says in, in the Bible, you know, all ashes will return to become ashes. So the girl is telling us even your body, you know, that you believe that you have a control over, etc., that you own, is not yours. So... The last thing that is that you might think is left is your mind, inner voice that is constantly thinking because it never stops, right? You know, you're always thinking about something. This is the mind that gets distracted by the, by the by vices. This is also not permanent. This is just an illusion that you have. Again, it just joins the, how we describe God. The only thing that is permanent is God. And that is everywhere within everyone. Since that is the only thing that is true, this is the only thing you can actually hold on to. This is the message that Gurus has has given us. Now that you are holding on to, to this higher power that is within yourself, first of all, you're in a state of peace. And also, it doesn't matter to you anymore whether if you're rich or poor, what is your you know ethnical background, what is your uh, social status? How do you look like? It does not matter you, to you anymore if you have a beard or, or not. It just does not matter to you being you know, clean-shaved. We say it is clean-shaved. That's what makes you clean. Makes mm-hmm. you look clean. You're not distracted by these compliments that people are constantly going to give you about your good lookings. You will not be distracted by that and eventually it will not matter to you anymore to have that beard or to have your hair because you will be attached to God and God has a plan for your body to be like and you have decided to be okay with whatever God's plan is about your looks. These things don't matter to you anymore. You're just let God play his play and you just let God design you. So the last one is about the turban. So what is the story behind the Sikh turban? The first thing we have to know is that the turban is not something that the Sikh gurus introduced. Oh, really? At first. Yeah, no. I mean, the turban was there even before the tradition. So before Guru Nanak Dev Ji, the turban had, had a meaning. And the turban was actually in Middle East and you know South Asia in, in Indian Peninsula. I don't know if it's a peninsula actually, like uh, yeah, the Indian subcontinent. The turban was a sign of power, of superiority, mm-hmm. and you had to be a sultan, you know, which is Muslim emperor 
one of the men in the elite of the society. You had to, to have a turban. It was a, a sign of distinction and discrimination. So the gurus has taught us that since there is only one God, we as humans, we are all equal. May we be a Sikh, may we be from any country, from any religion, may we have any beliefs, we are all human and we are all equal. Your wealth doesn't make you more important than uh, someone else in the eyes of the Almighty. We are all equal. So the gurus have taught us that since wearing a turban is practical for a long hair, it is the same for everybody had to wear a turban to symbolize that equality among everyone. You know, because the turban is like a crown. It's like that is the insignia of the powerful and of the sovereign. You know, this is a sovereignty insignia. So everyone who follows the teachings of the guru, they are sovereign with themselves. That does not only apply to men. Religion. We may see mostly men wearing sex turbans, but women have the same importance in this tradition. Mm-hmm. And they are also subject to this uh, rule that you're equal to everyone. You are the same. So you have to wear that turban that is also practical, but also a, an insignia of your sovereignty, independence, and you're following you know, the teachings of the guru. Right. So this is what it is about. So it's not necessarily a checkbox because at the end, a person who has followed the path and by the Guru's grace has attained that liberation from all these five vices called Maya. Once they are free from those and that they are only attached to God, from that point, their materialistic life does not have any influence on them. So they do not belong to religion. There's no square that they are beyond religions. They have learned what they had to learn and they are practicing what is practiced and they are attached to God. They're not subject to the societal standards anymore. These check boxes, it does not matter to them anymore. Interesting. Yeah. So do you believe that the five vices are sins and that that's like considered sinning? Well, actually, I don't really like the word sin in itself because when you say sin, it has this connotation of if you do that, then you're a horrible, bad person and you right. need to go to hell. We have not spoken about that until now. Like the gurus never discussed about hell or heaven. They're only talking about constant bliss that is the higher power. So these are not sins as we might think of them. However, those are something you want to have control over. And let me be clear, these five vices, they are also part of the this higher power's play. These five vices, they do not uh, exist beyond the control of God. You know, they're not beyond God's control. They're within it. Everything in the universe is within it. Those are just something that give you delusion because those are all what make you attached to material stuff, to your life, to your right. to everything we have listed before. And so these are things you want to avoid to be dependent on. You don't want your mind to follow these. But 
in the Guru's teachings, so the Sikh Holy Scripture, they have said that everybody makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. It's not only a Sikh, a Sikh belief, it also comes from the Christian belief because I believe that Jesus was also against what we call lapidation. Why? Because they said that only the one who has never committed any sin in his life could judge someone and give them punishment like this. Mm-hmm. I have not quoted word to word, but I have learned about it in history, so I know about it. And the Guru's teachings is the same. We all make mistakes. Every human being is subject to these five vices. We all make mistakes because of those. For instance, I mean, ego Ego is like the mistake that everybody makes because believing that they exist, that they have control over stuff. So this is a mistake that we do. Only the gurus do not make mistakes. And I'm not saying that only the Sikh gurus didn't make mistakes. Any prophet, you know, they did not make mistakes because they are messengers of God. You know, they are sent by God. They were not interested in that, in that materialism. Actually, that's what the life of Jesus actually teaches because he was martyrized by the Romans. He knew that he would be betrayed because he knew everything since he was practically, you know, God's manifestation. He was not holding on to it because mm-hmm. he was not attached. And he knew that the message that he wanted to send throughout his life was sent, you know, that told whatever he was meant to tell. And he had so... Getting back at that, the question, these five vices, they are bad, you know, actually. They're, they're just delusions that you don't want to follow blindly. And then those are what they perverse your mind. For instance, if you fall into them and you continue to believe in them, you continue mm-hmm. to act as they were too. According to the Sikh spiritual belief, your soul continues to come back into numerous life forms because you're holding on to this, you know, and that actually makes sense. If you're holding on to these pleasures, to these belongings, even though they are false, then you will continue to come back and depend on them. And on the other side, if you are not following the Guru's teachings, you will not obtain the great treasure of being in peaceful bliss. So, that's the story of the five vices. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So what do you do personally to nourish your spiritual self? Like what are your personal spiritual practices? So my personal spiritual practice is that I meditate. The guru said to meditate on the true nam, the name. I meditate on that. So how do I do that? In Sikhism, we, we are taught to do that early in the morning, you know, at dawn, before we actually start our normal life, as Mm -hmm. I would say. I wake up and that's the first thing I do. Actually, I have to wake up a little bit before everything that is planned in my day, you know, so I have to wake up early and uh, meditate. So for me, for how I do it is that I sit quietly and I try to only think about the name of God, which is in okay. the Sikh spiritual tradition, it is Waheguru, which means Waheguru is the greatest, the supreme guru, you know, that is God, you know, it's the great name, the supreme creator of everything. 
the supreme guru that is what it means and that what we meditate on so guru nanak dev ji had also you know introduced a poem something that we can consider as a poem which is called japji sahab it is just an introduction of everything about god that is fortunately available in english translation as well for everyone that's actually how we do it it's there is no need to be at any place to be with anything there's the only thing you, you need actually is to be yourself and in a quiet place when i started doing that at first i only did it you know in the morning and mm-hmm. then i just would continue to live my life live it as as an atheist practically with being <laughs> concerned by worldly affairs etc but now i have learned that the guru's teachings is actually to constantly be in that state you know even when you're driving i am live in paris i don't really drive but when i take the train or the subway i always have that in mind you know i have always meditated on that and that's what gives me this peace this feeling of accomplishment permanently no matter what happens even if in bad situations otherwise i would be you know very stressed and very anxious and i feel confident in those as well so how would you describe having this spiritual connection has affected or changed your life like do you believe that it makes you a better person so like i said when i meditate on that i feel accomplished i feel fulfilled in the inside mm-hmm. and i think that it helps it helps a lot like the guru said it helps a lot to have a control over your mind and not be distracted by the five vices you know in situations of anger you know it really helps for anger management it really helps for greed you know you don't act in ego anymore you just I try to stay humble it just these things they don't matter to you anymore they are secondary to you you know because at the end you still need to live you still need to make a living you still need to you know sustain yourself to eat to play this role in life but you just have to keep in mind that it is not permanent would i say that it makes me a better person i think it does in the point of if we consider that being a better person is you know just not oppressing others or acting in your own ego only because this fulfillment that i feel when i meditate it is beyond it it gives me some feeling that is not comparable to any other feeling that i would get in any other way in right. by the five vices even though you know it may sound a little bit crazy but that's how it is this meditation gives me more pleasure more peace then you know like eating a piece of delicious cake it's not the same and i would rather prefer meditating actually sometimes i would rather prefer to eat the cake but still we are constantly <laughs> learning to be a better person you know the meditation is not something that you just you know like if you would have to have a drink of water and it's not something that if you have tasted it once and then you can go on and do other stuff it's not that meditation it you have to be consistent with it so that it helps you become more peaceful all right i feel like we could talk forever <laughs> yes <laughs> for hours and i'm just like mesmerized by you and by your answers i'm just trying to like soak it all up so mm-hmm. 
to kind of wrap up, what do you want listeners to take away from this episode? And maybe what would you say to someone struggling with their spiritual connection? We all are struggling in some way in our life, even for a spiritual connection. I have struggled many ways. You know, I have been distracted by the five vices and we all are going to at some point we all have been or are going to be distracted by these at some point of our life so the first thing i would like listener to know about spiritualism is that there is no rush this is not a core that you have to do don't take it as something to do constantly every day it's like exercising like something that you don't really feel about doing Yet, once you do it, you feel great. That's how it is. Meditation, spiritualism, it may sound, you know, something boring. That's because that's what I taught when I was a kid as well. But I have learned growing up that that is what makes me, like I said, what that's what makes me fulfilled. And that is what I love doing the most. So if you are struggling, I would say just be perseverant. Don't give up. Because Mm -hmm. it is really easy to give up because if you don't do it one day, once you don't do it twice, you don't do it three times. If you're not being persistent, you're losing it. So just make it a habit and work on being, you know, resilient. Don't be stuck by, I'm not perfect to do it. You know, I have been distracted by the five vices. Maybe Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough to do it. Don't, Don't think about it. Because again, like I said, Everybody makes mistakes. That's how we learn. If we didn't make mistakes, we wouldn't learn. You know, it's actually like a baby learning his first steps. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you ask a mother, if you ask her, how long does it take for a baby to learn to walk? It wouldn't be like, oh, it takes six months, one year. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be like some time that will, they will tell you that it will take as long as it will have to. So to you, to anybody, it will take as long as it has to, to learn about meditation, to connect with the higher power. Lastly, I would suggest people to, you know, follow some other courses. So there is a course I will give the link. So it's by a gentleman named Satpal Singh. Mm-hmm. And he runs a non-profit that is called Nanak Nam. So the name of Nanak to spread the message of Guru Nanak. And they have a YouTube video channel where they address many issues one can have in life. And they have a podcast. They explain the Guru Nanak's teachings. And finally, they have a course on their website that teaches you how to start meditation. Fortunately, it's free, you know, anybody can do it. And it's in English. So I have not tried it myself. But I think it is a good tool for people who are new to meditation to try that. Also, there is another gentleman, a late Dr. Wayne Dyer, which I know because he's popular in the Western culture for his uh, different works regarding spiritualism and also his conferences for self-improvement speeches. He gives you tips to be uh, improve yourself as a person and mm-hmm. also... I would like to quote him. He said, we are not our bodies, our possessions, or our careers. Who we are is divine love, and that is infinite. So I think that is, yeah, that is the same message as Guru Nanak has given to 
to the world. And this person, Dr. Dyer, has written books and they also have a video that teaches you that can help people before they go to sleep. A short six-minute speech that will help you overcome your fears, your struggle with meditation and the five vices. Again, I will also put that YouTube link to access that. And finally, I would suggest people to dig more. What this podcast, this is just a small, very tiny introduction. It's a starting point. This is where your journey begins. And if you want to continue, there are many other sources where you can find good tips, good information about meditation and how to do it. And you've provided so many awesome resources that I will be linking and I'm excited to explore more. So that's awesome. Thank you. All right. So if people want to reach out and connect with you or talk about this further, where can they find you? So I am working on having my website. It's going to be a blog. It's the link will be en for English dot harpertop. So my name dot fr. So I will be committing to post regularly. I'm not going to to say weekly, but you know on a regular basis. I will mm-hmm. post uh, blog posts regarding spiritualism and self-improvement tips etc so other you know stories of people who have done that etc like a lot of resources to help people with meditation i have my twitter and my instagram account they're both the same so it's at turban atar it's the reference for like to the turban and <laughs> the last part is a reference to my favorite marvel character which is thor you know um, <laughs> Without the H, so Turbinator, that is a name that the British gave to people who wore turbans in India. It's just a mix of that and Thor. I just wanted to add that, that anybody is welcome to reach me, to discuss with me for on any topic. And also, if I have made any mistake to correct me, I am open for that. Awesome. You're so amazing. I love it. I've loved learning from you and... Yeah, having this discussion. So you know that I always end my episode with a little song recommendation. So you Mm -hmm. finally get to give your song. So for an English song, I have chosen 100 Bad Days by AJR. Mm -hmm. It is a song that I discovered during my senior high school year and actually helped me because during my senior high school year I was struggling with a lot of stuff in my life and actually it helped me with overcoming all this struggle you know these obstacles Mm -hmm. that were in my life so it's a really good song it doesn't have really anything to do with meditation but I think there's a little connection you know so there are two uh, verse phrases I would want to you know cite so the first one says, maybe a hundred bad days made a hundred good stories. Then the second one is, a hundred good stories make me interesting at parties. <laughs> you know? So <laughs> this just, the first time I hear, listen to that, I just blew my mind. I was like, all right, this is the mindset I need to have. You know, I just, I need to be persistent on that because, you know, we all have bad days. We all have good days. We all know that life is a roller coaster. So that's a song that I like a lot and I would invite anybody to listen to. And there's another song. So 
Since I'm French, I listen to a lot of French rap. The song is from a song called Un homme change le monde. So it means a man changes the world. It is by some rap group that I love to listen to. In this song, they have also two lyrics where they say, the greatest fight in your life, actually, it is against yourself. Mm. A little soccer player can tomorrow become Suarez. So Suarez is that awesome European soccer player. And his story is that he started as a local club, you know, small soccer club. And now he has made it to the Barcelona club, which is like one of the best clubs in soccer, you know. Oh, wow. Again, I think this one also joins the sick spiritual mindset. It's that you're not fighting against anybody else, you know, not any other person. The only thing you're fighting is against yourself. And against your own mind, that's who you are fighting against. And mm -hmm. that is the greatest fight in your life. If you win this fight, you become uh, liberated. So those are my two songs. I also have a last suggestion. It's not a song. It's actually a movie called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood by Marielle Heller. And it stars Tom Hanks. Uh, I love that, that movie. movie. Or oh, you've seen it. That is something yes. like I, I just loved it. The first time I watched it, I was like, oh my God, who is that person that I've missed on? You know, <laughs> Mr. Rogers. This is how I learned about him. Like, he lived two years <laughs> in America, and how could I miss that? You know, but I, I used to watch movie, it when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, right. It's like a popular, it's like a cultural thing in America that I just, you know, I didn't know <laughs> existed. But anyways, yeah, that movie, I think it will help a lot of people. It's great. I remember so. I cried happy tears. He's just like so full of love <laughs> and empathy. Right? I'm going to be honest. It was my tiny secret. And now it's going to go public. <laughs> but I did too. You know, like, so I'm not going to spoil the movie, but there's a part on the end that I think everyone will realize where it was. But the last statement that... Tom Hanks actually uh, acting as Mr. Rogers made. I only cried like in my life in front of like three movies and this is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> It's just that good. Yeah. Thank you for the recommendations. I will be linking those as well. And thank you for just being here and taking the time out of your day to do this research and to educate us on this. And yeah, I just really appreciate it. And I appreciate you. Well, thank you for inviting me and allowing me to share this. You know, it was a pleasure for me. I hope that it will introduce a lot of people to spiritualism. It was a great experience for me as well. Yeah, I glad. loved it. I'm glad. I'm excited for people to tune in. So I guess that is all we have for you today. So thanks for listening and tune in next time. I hope this podcast left you feeling empowered, better understood, and less alone in this crazy thing called life. If you like what you hear, leave a rating or review and share it with your friends. Thanks for listening and tune in next time.